Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of Luke. It's not uncommon on Father's Day to use this particular text. And that's one of the reasons I was a little bit reluctant to use this Bible story, but perhaps I will talk about some things today that are a bit different. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 15, and I want to begin reading. We could read throughout entirety of this story, but to suffice for time, we will begin with verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said, everybody say, but the father said, that's a very important statement in this text. To his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy command. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son has come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want to look at the first part of verse 32. It was meat. Can you read that with me? It was meat. Most translation says this. It says, but we had to celebrate and be glad. Another translation says it this way, 
it was fitting to celebrate. Another said it was appropriate. The Bible, King James Version, reads here, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. I just want to preach for the next little while. It was necessary. It was necessary. Praise God. Let's, let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray for God's anointing, His touch, His blessing on the remainder of this service today. We need His help. We're praying for His strength. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, we're looking to You, desiring You, God, to help us yet again. And I'm praying, Lord, that You would move Have your way in this place. Touch the lives of people, God, that are gathered here. Help us, God, to receive from your word. And let us receive from your spirit today and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give praise to him right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing in. You may be seated. This particular story, of course, is a very popular one. Unfortunately, the main characters and uh, or the main character in his performance is obscured. It's overshadowed by secondary characters in this narrative. This is true because so much of the time we concentrate our attention and focus in on the actions of these two sons specifically the prodigal son or the younger son. The truth is, both of these boys at one point or another in this story was hopelessly lost. The younger boy was in a far country away from home in a distant land. And the older boy was in a far country at home because, as you know, the far country is not always a geographical location, but it is most often a spiritual condition that a person finds themselves in. You can be in the house, in other words, and this story illustrates this, and still be lost. You can sit on pews every Sunday and still be lost. You can come and join in the singing You can even clap your hands. You can participate in the worship service and still be lost. You can teach Sunday school, as scary as that may sound, and still have something in your heart that shouldn't be there and be lost. You can sing in the choir and still be lost. You can quote scripture and know the truth of God's word and still be lost. The younger boy is distant from his father while he is in a far country. But in many ways, this older son is more distant by simply staying at home and not developing a proper relationship with his father. I, I want to say that's the worst kind of being lost. Could I spend just a few minutes talking about this this morning? It, it's not... To not come to church, that is bad enough, but it's even worse still in some ways to be able to come to church and be unaffected when you get here. It's a dangerous thing to be able to come to the house of God and the Spirit of God and the power of God and the conviction 
of the Holy Ghost is not able to move you. I, I can't speak for you, but I want to remain tender to the voice of God and the impressions that I receive from the Spirit of God. I want to be receptive to the moving of God's Spirit. I don't want to learn just to be a Pentecostal while I'm around Pentecostals. I don't want to learn just to, to, to know the, the language and to know the actions and to be able to carry myself just right while I'm here in the church house. But God, help me to be a 24-7 Christian. Help me to have a relationship with you that extends beyond just what happens here. There's a lot of good things that began here. There's a lot of good things that start here. It's here that many of us received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time. It's here that many of us were baptized in Jesus' name. It's here where many of us have received victory in our hearts and been blessed. Many of us have been healed right here in the house of God. But can I state to you this morning that our relationship with God should extend beyond these four walls. It should permeate our own homes and our families. It should affect us every day of our lives. It should make an impact on our jobs and our co-workers. I'm talking about being really impacted by the power of God in your life. Oh, let's give some worship to the king right now. Let's wor worship him and give him praise. I don't want to learn to casually become carnal and grow carnal and still come to church and be really unaffected by it. I know the commonality between these two sons, and that is, first of all, they both wanted something. The younger comes to his father and says, Give me my portion of goods. This, this shows a deep disrespect. I think all of us could agree that this younger son hasn't worked for anything. He hasn't put his time in. He doesn't deserve what he's really asking for here. However, tradition was that when an inheritance was given out among sons, if there were two sons, the elder son would receive two-thirds of the portion and then the younger would receive one-third. And the scripture indicates to us that he left the choice and the decision up to this son. Uh, when he came and asked for it, he did not try to convince him otherwise. But in his wisdom, he released him. And he gave him his portion. This younger son had developed a dangerous attitude of feeling like that he deserves something. And that's a very dangerous attitude for us as saints of God, as people that are around the church and are frequenting the presence of the Lord to ever develop an attitude that we deserve to feel what we feel and to experience what we experience and to enjoy what we enjoy in the presence of the Lord. It's a dangerous thing when we ever step into this place and we become unappreciative for everything that God has done for us. Some way or another, this younger boy had been raised up in 
I imagine opulence and his needs being met, his comfort uh, was was everything was just was perfect. Everything was attended to. Everything was just right. He had never known a day of hunger. He had never known what it was like uh, to really be in need. He he didn't know what it was like to be uncomfortable. And uh, that's why he could make such a selfish statement as he made, as give me my portion of the goods, as though he had earned this or he deserved this. This is a very striking thing, I think, in the Scripture. I don't ever, as a person, want to ever have the attitude that when I step into the presence of the Lord, that I some way deserve to be here. But I'm only here because of His mercy. I'm only able to raise my hands because of His goodness. I'm able to worship today and feel the presence of God and have this glorious experience of the Holy Ghost. Not because I did anything to deserve it, but He went to Calvary cross and paid a price that I should have paid a debt that I owed he bled for me he shed his blood so that my sins could be cleansed and if I lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting you know I didn't get here by myself but I stand here in the presence of God because of his goodness because of his grace and because of his mercy Oh, if you're thankful for the mercy of God, you ought to sound off this morning. You ought to lift up your voice and praise the Lord today. If you understand that you didn't get here on your own or by yourself, you didn't pull yourself up, you didn't just happen upon this church, but it was because God called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. That's why you show forth praises. That's why we shout. That's why we worship God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All you have to do is think about what the Father has done for you and where the Father brought you from and all the blessings that He has bestowed upon your life. And then you'll understand that I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't deserve the mercies of God. But since uh, He's been so good to me, I can hardly contain myself. People that have this understanding of how good God has been to them, they don't have to be primed. They don't have to be pushed. They don't have to be coerced. Nobody has to inspire them. They don't have to sing the right song. They don't have to hit the right note on the piano. They don't have to beat a drum to get you excited. Nobody has to do anything. You've got all that you need to get excited and enthused about. You've got all that you need to be thankful for here this morning. If God saved you and if you're a part of the church, you ought to be shouting happy today. You ought to be thankful. If God saw you through storms and trials and problems, if He's provided for you, if He's helped you, if He's saved you, you've got all the reason that you need to rejoice. I think we ought to take another moment right now and just give Him praise and worship from our heart. It's a dangerous thing to forget. That's why the Bible admonishes us. You see this many times for the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, I'm going to bring you into a great land. 
a, a, a large place, a place that is flowing with milk and honey, a place that provision is going to be all around you. Oh, you've lived in servitude to the Egyptians. You've been bound and restricted in generations past. You've walked through a wilderness. But when I bring you into the promised land, it's going to be a large place. I'm going to establish you there. I'm going to give you everything that you need. But there's only one warning that I have for you. Beware that when you get there, when you have barns that you didn't build that are filled with plenty, when you're living in houses that you didn't construct, when you have food on your table and you didn't know, amen, you know that you didn't you didn't sow it, you, you, you weren't the one that worked for it, but it was the blessings of God that brought it to you. I want you to understand in that moment uh, there's a danger that you forget where you was brought from. You forget the pit that you was dug out of. There's a danger that you're going to be confronted with uh, that you'll stop uh, being appreciative. You'll stop being a praiser. You'll stop realizing your need of God. You'll stop relying upon Him. Never do that, Israel. But always remember it was a faithful God that brought you out. It was a faithful God that brought you into this place. It was He that stood true to His promise. And you're here because He brought you into this land. Amen. Come on, let's give Him a little bit more praise. But because He allowed this dangerous attitude to develop in His life, instead of, it looks like maturity, and this is one of the most difficult things to understand, even with some children of God, is it would seem that maturity and more understanding would cause someone to become more appreciative. As a child gets older and grows up, I understand that a two or three and four-year-old child doesn't understand, nor does it have the mind to fully appreciate doesn't have the wherewithal to fully grasp all that it takes to provide for him food and shelter and clothing and all of those things. But as a child begins to mature, grows a little older, begins to realize these things have price tags and these provisions, they, they take effort and there's sacrifices that are made to make them available. And somewhere along the way, this, this son missed that. He, he never allowed that part of maturity to come to him. He was very narcissistic, if you want to say it that way, and self-centered and self-focused. And I, I see this often even with, with children of God. It would look like, to me, it, it, just, it just stands to reason that a saint of God that has been around the church for a long time, decades being around the church, and all that God has done for them, and the blessings of the Lord, and the many times that God has kept them and healed them and provided miracles for them and seen them through tough times, comforted them when they uh, were at loss, been there to strengthen them when they felt weak. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? Been there to uh, give you direction when you needed direction in life. Uh, renewed you when you need a renewing. Anybody thankful for the renewing of the Holy Ghost? 
How many knows it's necessary to receive a renewing in the Holy Ghost? Bless you when you wanted and desired and hungered for a blessing in God. It would seem to me, and it stands to reason, that that individual has a whole lot more to praise God for than a new convert that's been in the church just a few weeks. But I haven't ever seen a new convert that really got the Holy Ghost, that wasn't excited, that wasn't like a jelly bean when they come to church. Amen. You couldn't hardly set them down. They were always wanting to clap. They were always wanting to shout. They were always wanting to worship God. They're looking for a reason to lift their hands. They're looking. They're they're sitting on the edge of the pew with bated breath, waiting for a reason to say amen and to get behind the preaching of the Word of God. I hope to God we hadn't heard so much preaching and been in so greatest services and power of the Holy Ghost that we've forgotten that God has blessed us and we have more reasons those of us that have been around for a while we've got more reasons to rejoice and to worship God than any new convert has I won't see some old timers why don't you get on your feet this morning why don't you clap your hands to the Lord why don't you give a shout of praise Come on, somebody needs to be thankful. Somebody needs to be appreciative. If you're going to stay in the Father's house, you're going to have to stay appreciative for what the Father has done for you. Because that attitude, look where that attitude took him. It took him a long ways. I'm going to tell you, all backsliding begins with unthankfulness. You write it down, you put it wherever. All backsliding starts with unthankfulness. Thankful people cannot get offended. Thankful people will not be bitter. Thankful people do not get a offended with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. They don't get sideways with folks. When you're thankful, when you realize, hey, I'm just glad to be here. I'm just thankful to have a ticket to be on this thing. I'm just thankful that he loved me enough to save me. Come on, get the big picture mentality and realize that there's no little thing like that that's going to keep me away or keep me out of the Father's house. I'm just thankful that I'm in this thing. I'm thankful that out of 7 billion people that live in this world, I'm here on a Sunday morning. I got the truth of God's Word in my heart. I'm thankful to be here. He, he took his portion. He went to a far country, the Bible said. And it didn't take a long time after he spent everything and a famine came to the land. And I'm not going to belabor this because most of us are very familiar with this story. A famine came to that land that he joined himself as a, to the citizen of that country and went out and he put him to work feeding swine. Lowest of lows. And... As he's sitting there in that muck and in that mud, and he's hungry to eat even what the hogs are eating, he begins to think. The Bible said he came to himself. It was a reckoning moment. Uh, one, one translator said he, 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 he got his sanity back. I'm going to tell you, sin is insane. 
It's insane to me that people in this world can play so close to the edge. It's insane to me with all the wake-up calls that we've had. Just I'm not talking about in the last few years. I'm talking about in the last few months. And people still gambling with their soul. Still, and people that know the truth are still playing around with God and can't get serious about their relationship with God. That's a mystery to me. I, I'll never understand that. It must be that their heart has grown hardened against the things of God. That's the only way that you can possibly explain it. But to think... That he finally has this moment of sanity in the midst of all the insanity that is around him. And he comes to himself and he begins to ponder and reflect on servants. Now, we know that this boy could never go back to being a servant. And we've preached that part of the story many times that he can never return after your son. You can never return to be a servant. But I want to tell you what keep you in the church is having a servant attitude. And he did get a servant attitude back. And he said, if I can humble myself down and just go back and ask if I could be one of his hired servants. Amen. That's all I really deserve to be. I'm not up here on the totem pole. I, I just need to realize I ought to be thankful that if I can just pull my knees up underneath the servant's table, it's better than this. Amen. Anything I get has got to be better than this. And so he rehearses this little speech in his mind. And he said, I will say to my father that, that your servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. If you'll just make me one of your hired servants, I want to return back back home and as he's rehearsing this speech over in his mind he's making his way back to the father's house but what he doesn't realize is the father's been waiting for him all alone and, and the real hero of the story the real star of this narrative is the father he steps out and looks and sees the boy is making his way and he doesn't wait until he gets to where he is but just like the bible says if you'll draw nigh unto me I'll draw nigh unto to you. He said, if you'll make some steps in this direction, I'll make some steps in your direction. I'll make my way to you. I'm going to tell you, sinner, if you're here today and you think, hey, it's a long ways to the altar. It's a long ways to where God is. It's a long ways to get a hold of God. I'm going to tell you, all you got to do is lean in the direction towards God, and God will reach to you. God will touch you, and God will save you this morning. Unbeknownst to this son, his father had been waiting on this opportunity. And he couldn't even finish his speech. The father interrupts him. And he says to the servants. Now the devil had no doubt been talking to this boy. Condemnation had been talking to this boy. Other people around had been telling him how worthless he was. Everybody else had been talking down to him. His boss uh, that sent him out to feed swine, got a big kick out of a Hebrew boy going out and feeding swine. Maybe even told all of his fellow hog growers, you would never guess the young man that I've got living or working for me. Uh, he's a Hebrew boy. Isn't that funny? It, uh, hadn't the tables turned? They've always felt like they were better than us, but look, I'm sending him out there to feed swine. They'd all been talking down to him. 
But really, it didn't matter what the world said. It didn't matter what condemnation tried to whisper in his ear. It didn't matter what the master that was in control of him said when he sent him out in the field. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what everybody, all of his friends that forsook him might have said about him. But what didn't matter is what the father would say to him when he made his appeal. And the father, the father didn't even recognize all of that talk about going to be a servant. The father didn't even recognize any of that. He said to his servants, he said, I want you to go get the best robe. I want you to go get the best. I'm not talking about just a robe. I'm talking about the best robe. You know that one I had dry cleaned and put in the back of the closet because I told you this day was coming. You know that one that we have for special occasion? That one that we have for special celebrations? That one that is only used at times like this? You go get the best robe and you put it on him. Put the signet on his hand which signifies his power and his authority in the family. I want you to go get some shoes because sons wear shoes around here. Servants don't wear shoes but sons wear shoes. He's coming home. This son that was dead is alive again. This one that was lost has been found. I'm preaching to somebody. That's the love of a true father. And then he said, we've been, we've been fattening up a certain calf out there. That, that tells me he was planning for this. This is used for special occasions. They knew which one. That's all he had to say. He didn't have to tell them the one's got brown spots. He didn't have to tell them the one over there in a certain stall. No, all he said was the fatted calf. They knew exactly which one he was talking about. He said, go slay it and serve it. Let's eat and be merry. It's one thing for him to give the command for people. You know, it's hard to command people to be merry, isn't it? It's pretty easy to command people to be sad these days. But it's hard to command people to be merry. Brother Smith, you need to be happy. Your daughter just married your, your last child in the home. <laughs> Poor fellow. <laughs> My God. I was thinking about that, and I, I watched him up here on the platform. I said, you all right? Because I don't think I'm going to be all right. <laughs> but it was hard for me to look at him yesterday and say, you need to be happy. Considering that he's... You know, it was a happy thing because she's getting married in the will of God, and I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying, you know, the Father's heart, you know. It's hard to tell somebody under certain circumstances to be happy. But this this man of the house, this father said, we need to be merry. We need to get happy about this. And I think this is a message to you and I. That there's certain things we need to learn how. No matter what else is going on around us, no matter if there's some stick in the mud that doesn't like it, you need to learn how to be celebratory when you come to church. You need to learn how to rejoice when you come to church. You need to learn how to get excited over good things that God is doing in your life. 
If all you can point out is a few negative things that are wrong, you'll probably always be stuck there. But if you can ever get your mind and your focus elevated up above that, get your eyes on a God that's really in control and start thinking about Him and His goodness and His mercy in your life, it's easy to want to make a joyful noise, to want to give some praise unto the Lord, to want to to lift up your hands and to want to thank Him for His goodness in your life. Oh, I just get to talking about it a little bit right now, and it makes me want to clap. I just get to thinking about it right now. It makes me want to lift my voice. It makes me want to shout a little bit. And the Bible said they began to be merry. Evidently, it was quite a celebration because in verse 25, Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music. That's understandable. But this next part, that's quite a deal. He heard music and dancing. It didn't say that he heard music and saw dancing. It says that he heard music and dancing. Now that's some dancing. When you can hear it. When you can hear somebody getting down dancing. Now, I've heard tap dancing before. Don't get anybody get any ideas. But I mean, when, when you got somebody that's tearing it up and they're stomping and they're, they're having such a good time of being merry that you can hear it. The Bible said he heard music and dancing. I'm going to tell you, we need a celebration that this world, this world can 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 get a sense of. They can they can understand something's going on down there, and it's more than just formal church, and it's more than just coming and and having a few scriptures read, and everybody going home, and and nobody really being impacted. But there's an anointing there, and there's a power of God there, and there's a glory of the Lord that's in that place, and and it's something that you can you get close enough to it, you can sense it, you can feel it. It's it's there. Amen. I'm gonna tell you when people drive by this church, they ought to sense something pulling on them. I don't know what's going on in those four doors, right? Amen. But I know something is happening in that place. I know that something is taking place in that church because I feel the pull of it. The Bible said, the Bible said as he got a little closer, he called for one of the servants. And he said, I've been out there working by the sweat of my brow. And what's all of this party going on and all of this merriment that is going on and all of this rejoicing and music and dancing what's all of that about and he begins to explain to him your younger brother that's been gone for a long period of time that everybody thought was dead and would never come back well he came back home today and he was quite a sight he was starved down he was dirty he had tattered clothes on your dad went and put the best robe on and put shoes back on his feet your daddy your daddy cooked up the fatted calf your daddy he, he told everybody to get their musical instruments out and start playing them and singing and, and, and rejoicing. And we started dancing. And that's, that's what the celebration is all about. And the Bible says that the elder brother grew angry about it and would not go in. Well, well. You see, the elder brother felt that since he had been there longer and worked harder, that he deserved more. Kind of reminds me of a little story that Jesus told about the daysmen that came 
and work. Some of them he hired in the morning. Of course they had to work. And, and, and then he went back, realized didn't have enough, went back again, hired some more, went back again. And each time it's later and later and later in the day until that final group, there wasn't really that much of a time period that they had to work. But at the end of the day when the payment was doled out, everybody got the same pay. Anybody remember that story? I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if you've been in the church 50 years or five minutes. If you've repented of your sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you can be saved and you can enter into the same heaven that everybody else is going to. And you know what? We don't need anybody sitting around saying, well, you know what? They didn't have to go through all I had to go through. And they didn't have to stand for what I had to stand for. And they didn't have to make it through what I had to make it through. I will tell you, somebody just needs to be on the sidelines saying, I'm shouting happy that God added somebody else. There was one more that was found before it was too late. There's somebody else that was able to find God. There was somebody else that was included in the kingdom. We're not careful. We get that attitude. Well, and that's what he was speaking to in this story. He was speaking to those Pharisees that were in the synagogues every day that were there and they read and they knew the Scripture, but they didn't have a relationship with the God of that house. They were in the house of God, but they had no relationship with the Father of the house. I'm preaching to somebody in this place. Don't sit here in this house and become critical. Don't sit here in this house and become hardened. Don't sit here in this house and allow yourself to get cold and carnal. Oh, but when you come to church, make sure you're getting in contact with Him. Make sure you're receiving something from here. Making sure that before you leave, you're impacted and your life has changed. Because it's real easy to get a cynical attitude. And none of us have a right. Again, if you're here and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost... Man, what else do you need to get excited and enthused about here this morning? What else do you need to be thankful for today? God has been mighty good to you. Is there any Holy Ghost-filled people in this place? And so he draws it down, the Father and his wisdom. He doesn't get on to him. He doesn't ridicule him. He doesn't rebuke him. But notice what he says. He says, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. You see, he had his eye on trying to be critical and cynical of some things, and he missed the opportunity that was right before his face that was available to him. And if we're not careful, we'll come looking for something wrong when there's so many things that are right that are all around us that we could be partaking of. And 
You know, so many prayers that could be answered and so many miracles that could be possessed and so many promises that could be had and so many things that we could see God do and the revival that God would want to give and the blessings that God would want to bestow and all that He wants to pour out. All that He has is available to us. And if you get your eye on something over there, that's the devil's business is to distract you. That's the devil's business is to get your mind on something minuscule and and to trip you up and distract you from realizing, hey, I'm in a house where I can receive what I need. Amen. That's why the Father said it's meat that we get in the house and we celebrate because that's not the only fatted calf I got. If there's reason to celebrate anymore, we'll break out another and another and another and another. I'm going to tell you, I got everything that we need. All that I have is thine. I'm going to tell you, there's blessings for somebody that was willing to get your focus on the right thing. Why don't you stand to your feet with me right now? Let's give some praise to him again. said it's meat or necessary really what he's trying to say it's not even optional when you think about it when we could consider what's available to us in this room today amen you wouldn't be worried about you wouldn't be worried about somebody standing around that saying, well, they don't deserve to be worshiping like that, and they shouldn't be up there praying like that, and they shouldn't. I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't be concerned with all of that. You wouldn't be concerned what anybody thinks about you as you come down to this altar and throw up your hands and say, God, I need your forgiveness. If you could only experience what I'm talking about, if you could only receive what I'm talking about, you wouldn't be worried about all of that. So as I give this altar appeal this morning, I wonder if there's somebody, first of all, that wants to make it back. Maybe you realize that there's some areas of my life that I have not, I have not really maintained my relationship with God. I've let some things develop in my heart. It's going to take some honesty. It's going to take some openness it's going to take some yielding to God it's going to take a willingness to swallow whatever pride and say you know what I I want my relationship with God to be intact I want my relationship with God to be right that's most important to me if you're here you ought to come to this altar and then if there's somebody you feel like well over time if I if I'm really honest I've, I've kind of grown unthankful and unappreciative And I've not really put proper appraisal on how valuable the church is and the blessings of God is and the relationship that I have with God is. And I've let life and situations cause me to, well, just become a little bit unthankful in taking things for granted. I want to come and show my appreciation again. And I want God to stir my heart and help me to be reminded this morning. Or maybe there's somebody that if you'd admit it today, you're like that elder brother. You're like that elder brother. 
that you've gotten your eyes off on something else that doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. And you've allowed yourself to get focused in on that when there's everything that he has available. Everything that he has is here for you. Oh yes, every blessing that you need, every prayer that you need answered, the work that you need him to do in your life, it's so available to you. Come on, let's come to this altar today. I want some men to help me pray for these men if you would, if you feel comfortable doing so. Hallelujah. Praise God. I thank you, Jesus.